what really pushed me into it was understanding how much people were getting paid for this type of work. Talking to other artists and learning from like rate sharing sites, you start to see how much money is actually being given and you have to give yourself permission to think that you're that you deserve that. That's Devin Blow and this is the Powerful Ladies podcast. I'm Kara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you that anything is truly possible. People who have mastered freedom and ease, success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives are often people you've never heard of until now. Are you ready to meet a ray of sunshine? Today's guest is Devin Blow. She's a creative and illustrator, designer, and activist and her positive energy is contagious. For those of you who are regular listeners, you may remember her from our workshop for creatives that we shared as a podcast episode in 2021. She was one of our guest panelists on that episode. And in this episode, it's such a treat to get to learn all about her, her journey to being an entrepreneur, who she admires, how she works, what her creative process is, and ultimately why she would use her magic wand to make food, shelter, and healthcare available to everyone. I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. Don't forget you can leave comments at thepowerfulladies.com. so excited that you were on today. When I saw your name on the schedule, I got excited and I was even like, you know what? I'm going to wear my fancy tiger print tracksuit today because (laughs) that's the level of energy and excitement that Devin deserves. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, for anyone who um, hasn't listened to all the episodes, you were so generous to be a part of our conversation about women in the creative fields. Um, We had you on that special episode with um, yourself and Elizabeth McGarry and Jess Goldsmith. And it was one of our like most talked about, you know, special events that we've had as a, you know, KDCC Powerful Ladies event. And it was just us asking you to come and show up and and Jess asking you to come. And it was so great that, that you were a yes there. So Let's tell everyone who maybe didn't listen to that, who you are, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. Okay. Um, My name is Devin Blow. I am an illustrator, designer, artistic director uh, from Los Angeles, California. Yeah. That's the the main thing. (laughs) Living the dream, making art, making money. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um. You know, one of the things that I think is so great about your artwork is that is like the color and the energy and the vibrancy. And even today, you've got this like amazing bow and your hair looks fabulous. <laughs> and you're wearing bright neon yellow. Like how much of your art is you? Oh, all of it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tried to put myself in everything that I create. And I love bright colors and kind of quirky, eccentric bubble letters and things like that. So I, I I always do something that I like and then hope that it resonates with other people. Mm-hmm. Would eight-year-old you be surprised that this is your life today? Or would it be like, of course, we've just been waiting for you to get here? I 
think eight-year-old me would be surprised that this is what's happening. Um, I'm surprised that this is my life in my 30s. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, at eight years old, I was doing bubble letters, like, on my notebooks. And if I could tell myself, you know, um, guess what? You're going to make a living doing that one day. That I don't think I would believe it. I wanted to be a judge when I was a little kid. So Ooh, what made <laughs> yeah. you going to be a judge? I don't know. I have a law enforcement family. And mm-hmm. so I grew up kind of going to, um, you know, going to visit my dad's office. And like, I, I would see the courts in LA and things like that. And I just thought it was cool to be a judge. And yeah. for some reason, that's what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. It's, you know, they're fancy, powerful. Yeah, they sit in the big mm-hmm. seat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of bummed out when I've gone to jury duty and I realized, well, the judge is very powerful. Like, he doesn't really do most of the trial or her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, every time I've been, there happened to have been a male judge. Um, it was shocking to me that, like, oh no, the jury's the most powerful people in this room. Absolutely. Like the judge decides the sentencing and he kind of keeps it on, you know, all the rules in place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was always interesting to me because it, I, you know, growing up, I thought a judge was like the decider. Right. Yeah. I think that's what I was thinking too. And I think I thought it was much cooler than what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So when, when did you pivot from wanting to be a judge to being like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to, you know, live my life as a creative? Um, you know, I think I've always been creative. I, um, I was in dance. I play multiple instruments. I, um, I did art in high school and then I wanted to write when I was in college, I was writing, um, and I loved creative writing and I was taking photography. So I was always doing like something in the creative realm. Um, I just wasn't so sure. I, I don't know why it never occurred to me to do it um, as a career, like little mm-hmm. things like, you know, like writing is creative, obviously, and um, photography is creative. But I, you know, I just never I was just kind of dabbling in everything. Um, and then I worked as a makeup artist for maybe about eight years. And um, I was still drawing and painting during that time. And I think it just I don't know, I think painting, drawing. Um, illustrating has kind of, um, been an outlet for me. Um, it's helped my mental health and it just kind Mm -hmm. of progressed from there, like naturally, like it wasn't something I was pursuing necessarily, like this is going to be my career, which is something that kind of progressed into that. And were you working for other people as a designer or have you always worked for yourself as a designer? So I actually worked for a creative company um where there were designers there but that wasn't my position um Mm -hmm. but i worked with artists other artists um and we did um lots of like events and festivals and stuff that were involved with art so i was doing things in the art field but i wasn't necessarily creating art while i was there for the company Mm -hmm. i was doing it on my own but it was a nice segue into that because i started becoming more interested in graphic design while i was there because i was seeing it you know, and still had to do some work within those programs. And um, so that kind of pushed me into that, that area. Yeah. Yeah. And 
How did you go from working there to working for yourself and then mm -hmm. landing big clients such as Google? Um, I haven't done Google yet. Google's on my oh, list. Oh, sorry. <laughs> who, who, who's the big one that you have done? I've um, done Adidas. Um, yeah. I've worked with the United Nations, um, the Los Angeles Rams, the Obama Foundation. Um, there's so I a love few. That in my head, I was like already manifesting Google for you. Yes, so that's why I'm I ready for planted there. Because <laughs> we we asked everybody on the um, the creative workshop that we did, and I'll put the number for that podcast episode in the show notes at powerfulladies.com. But we asked everybody what your your wish was, like what can we manifest for each other? And so you said Google, so it's like printed on my brain. Devin Google, yeah. Devin Google. Yeah, mm -hmm. Google's my big one. I like that you're in the future with that. I'm, re I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> there is a um, great book I read where a coach had people go to a party as who they would be in mm -hmm. five years. And mm -hmm. everyone had to treat each other like that person in five years. So if you were going to write a book, you like walked around with your book and they talked about what is it like to be an author now? And they have some crazy statistic of everyone who's done this exercise through this guy that like 99% of it all made it happen. Wow. Like the power of, of doing that projection and like stepping into it and like really being it. I was like, yes. wow, like I'm going to throw those parties every year if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I truly believe that happens for sure. Yeah. So going back the, to the transition, right? So how do you go from uh -huh. working at a creative agency to working for yourself and then working for some of the biggest brands um, in the U.S.? Um, I started working for myself while I was still there. So I was doing mm -hmm. it on the side um, and I was going to, you know, pop ups and trying to build my website and build a brand at that time. Um, and then I left there and went to another company. Um, and I was still doing this on the side and this was like a marketing company, but I was still doing design and everything on the side. And then the pandemic happened and it turned from part-time to full-time. Honestly, the pandemic pushed me into it full-time. I was mm -hmm. doing it part-time and, um, kind of afraid to take the leap to get into it, you know, just solely, solely working for myself. And mm -hmm. then when, um, the pandemic happened, it was like, I had no choice. So yeah. Um, but it was a good push because I think people never really know when they can fully, you know, you save money and you're like, okay, I need enough money to cover all my expenses. And, you know, when is going to be the right time to do it? And I just think it's hard to gauge. So I was mm -hmm. glad I was pushed into it because I, I don't know if I would have ever, you know, like quit my job to pursue it full time on my own. I, th I think most entrepreneurs have something that pushed them. Mm -hmm. And it's it really is amazing how afraid we can be to like go after what we really want and like were you being did, were you having stories with yourself of like oh I should do it I should just oh yeah absolutely and I was honestly I was ready for it I was I was a little miserable I was <laughs> every day I would work and I would think this is not what I want to be doing I want to be working for myself I'm going to be working for myself I would say that every single day um and it was just like, should I just do it? Should I just do it? And yeah, I just needed that extra push. There, there's a saying that um, God or the universe will first like hit you with a feather and then they'll hit you with um, a bike and then they hit you with a car. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 
course, like, it's like, we're not paying attention to like the opportunity or like that. You can do it. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause you, you know, we talked a lot about in the, the creative workshop about how money is like this thing that can't be mixed. Right. The whole mm-hmm. theme was, you know, empowering creatives to step into like asking for the big um, retainer or asking mm-hmm. for the big project um, price and that we shouldn't have to be starving artists. Mm-hmm. How have you gone from, you know, trying to figure out how to make it work to, to being bold in knowing what you're worth and what value you're bringing to brands and companies? Um, you know that, and sometimes I still struggle with that. I think mm-hmm. what really pushed me into it was understanding how much people were getting paid for this type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to other artists and learning from like rate sharing sites, um, yeah. you start to see how much money is actually mm-hmm. being given and you have to give yourself permission to think that you're, that you deserve that basically. Yeah. Um, I was still like when I booked, I think my very like big client was Adidas, my very first big one. And I was still underpricing myself. Like they went, you know, they were like, Oh no, we're going to pay you this. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so, it's like, so you don't realize, I think, until you're in it it's it, and it's still something that i really struggle with but i have to i try to stay consistent like i'll turn down work um mm-hmm. if it's if you know people can't meet what i what i'm asking for some i mean there's always room for compromise but i think that there comes you know you have to know your worth and you have to stick to that because especially with big clients cuz they have the budgets for sure yeah and they're paying other and, people that and kudos to Adi for telling you, no, we're going to give you more. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, thank you guys for being nice on that call. Yeah, but, that, that won't happen. People are going to pay you what you, you know, if you're under their budget, mm-hmm. they'll pay you what you, what you quote usually. So it was cool mm-hmm. that the um, art director there was like, oh no, we'll pay you this, you know, cause I wouldn't have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also learning to ask people what their budget is first. That's important. Yeah. If they, if they, are willing to tell you or if they know always ask you know just ask and see what they say because usually it'll be higher than what you're thinking and um then you can work with what they're telling you as opposed to underselling yourself mm-hmm. yeah um so much of your art is also you know your musings on what's happening in life you know socially mm-hmm. politically personally what what was your experience growing up in in sharing your perspective and standing up for what you believe in? Is that something that has always been a part of you or have you been kind of developing that over time and did what happened specifically in 2020 pivot that mm-hmm. to, to for you to be more emboldened? Um, yeah, I've always been. It's it's something that's grown with me. Um Becoming more um, politically active and um, more socially conscious is something that started in college um, and has progressively gotten stronger. Um, I definitely was into it before what happened um, in 2020, but that was kind of also um, lit a fire for a lot of people and me included to do it within my art like to see if I could express those opinions through art and if it would resonate with people or if it would touch people. Um, 
in a in a way that they would understand and receive um and so yeah that definitely helped push me into that but it's always been something that i've been passionate about and it's been progressively it's gotten stronger as i've gotten older yeah. my mom calls me angela davis <laughs> 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 so that just shows where where my head's at but yeah it, it, it's always constantly getting um deepened I, I always see something and it's never something specific obviously i'm a black woman and that's like my main thing mm -hmm. but like i'm also interested in climate change and you know economics and things like this every single aspect of social yeah. justice interests me and um i want to do whatever i can to get the message out yeah well yeah. Like, you're you're a modern woman right like you care mm -hmm. about all the things and i, I think mm -hmm. that's you know there's so much right now of like having to be left or right or this or that and it's like mm -hmm. actually like i'm like all this like i need a wheel to really discuss mm -hmm. all the things i want to talk yeah. about um and i think it's a little frustrating that there's you know so often it, people are getting pigeonholed into like you can only care about one thing and it's like mm -hmm. who does that like mm -hmm. it's impossible like I can love my dog and I can love ice cream and I can love my mom and like, yes. <laughs> so if I can do that, I can care about all these other issues that are, um, you know, multi-layered and complex and often all overlapping. Absolutely. It is. And it's very divisive. That's a good point. Cause when you don't think of, when you think of it as being one thing or the other, it's incredibly divisive and you don't have, you won't find any common ground. But when you think of when you have discussions with people and you realize that you have the same beliefs in certain areas, it opens up yeah. the conversations more. You know, um, someone may have a different position on um, economics or taxes mm -hmm. or things like that, but they may all but they have the same beliefs when it comes to racial equality and, mm -hmm. you know, climate change, all that stuff, universal health care. So you have to, like, find middle ground, meet people where they are. Yeah. And I think that's a great point you bring up of, you know, looking for the commonalities you have in mm -hmm. other, you know, areas of interest or concern. Because um, we're, we are so much more alike than the world is telling us <laughs> that we are right yeah. now. And it's so frustrating. And, you know, I had a conversation the other day with a friend of mine about how I, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that it's like 0.01% of humans are like maliciously trying to be evil. Mm -hmm. Everyone else thinks they're doing the right thing with the information that they have. They just, you know, have incomplete or bad information. And Absolutely. Like, so people aren't out here trying to do things with malicious intent. It just looks that way based on the experience or perspective or knowledge that we have. And I, I think we forget that sometimes, like even mm -hmm. our best intentions sometimes are the, are still wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hence all the people apologizing, you know, in droves, it seems in the past couple of years for, for something. And yeah. it's, um, I think it's a really interesting space that we're, we're in right now. Um, but I sure I'm glad that people have like, turn their high beams back on and are looking at things and and being aware because it's so easy in life we get so busy that it's like head down i'm just trying yeah. to make it through the day i can't mm -hmm. think about anyone else 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you live in LA, so it's like just there's whole blocks that you can walk through and like, how do you stop and help everyone or all the things you see going on? Like it's, Mm -hmm. there's so much happening. It's so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had to learn really to just do what I can with what I got. And so creating (laughs) art is where, where it is for me using, and Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I feel like it's not enough, but you know, it's, it's what I was given. So I'm gonna work with it (laughs) until I can't anymore. (laughs) Well, and we look at how much like you've evolved already in your life. Like who knows what's next, right? Right. <laughs> what is your favorite medium to use in art? Um, surprisingly, I actually really enjoy water paint. I don't use it in my career, but I like to do it um, for fun and to clear mm-hmm. my head. Um Primarily, I work in di- in the digital space. Um, sometimes I'll sketch on paper before I move to digital, but um, usually I start straight on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you that that's usually my go-to. It's quicker. <laughs> yes, I, I'm easier a, I'm to a erase. A, yes, easy, much easier to erase, and I erase a lot. So um, I find when I it's funny because when I'll go back and forth, like when I'll go to paper. And it's like, I'll ask, I'll think that I can like back something. Like I'll be tapping the paper, like, oh, wait, I'm on paper. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this, this is digital. <laughs> I find myself doing that same type of like, um, like my brain thinks something different. Like when I go to, I'll get out of my car, lock my car. Then I'll walk up to my front door and be like, why isn't my, I'll be like clicking my keys at my door, like unlock. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to unlock when I push this button. You're like, oh, so I, I have totally to my key. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it made me think the other day, like we have all the new car technology where like you, if you're holding groceries, you can like stick your foot out and like your trunk opens. Yeah. Like, I need that for the front door. Like I still right. don't have a place to put the groceries down. Like who has not invented the kick the door and it will open for exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love that the trying to, you know, back click on your on your pad. Uh-huh. Um, so, and are you somebody who just has like creativity oozing out of you all the time? Like are you waking up like, oh, I gotta go write that down or draw it before I forget it? Or what is what does it look like for you to be a creative in a you know, on the day-to-day basis? Um, I wish I was felt creative all the time. I, you know, I, I get lots of ideas for different things. Um, sometimes it's, it, it can be something completely random that like I've never done before. Um, I have ADHD, so I, that is very easy to like make me jump from one thing to the other. Um, like I sew, like I have all this stuff that like I kind of half do, like half hobbies. <laughs> uh, so it's it's hard for me to you know focus. One of the things I love is um, looking at other people's work and seeing how the awesome stuff they're creating. I find that inspiring. Um, I try not to get like the whole imposter syndrome or you know, mm-hmm. um, but it but it's helpful, especially if you have a creative block to just kind of. And and do it without any intention, just looking at, you know, different colors and different palettes, different, different ideas, different things people are doing and just kind of say, wow, that's really cool. And then let it sit in the back of your head and it might pop up somewhere, you know, differently for you. That's one mm-hmm. of the things that's helped me, I think, a lot. I love that. Yeah, because it's we um, 
I love that you mentioned the half hobbies and giving yourself that space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's okay to have a half hobby and it's okay to not be creative all the time. Exactly. Because um, and also it'd be probably very overwhelming if you were just like having to draw on everything you saw at all times. Oh my gosh. And, and yeah, it's, it's something I'm working on, but it, I, it's also something I've just come to accept. Like I have a cricket mm-hmm. and like stuff that I don't use and I'll yeah. have to do this, do these things. And you just kind of like, they they bring me joy at that time. So I try to just look at it in that way um, until I can, you know, gift it, maybe gift it to someone else or, you know, do something like that. But yeah, it, it's very easy for me to jump from one thing to the next. I'm going to do, or I'll, I'll see something like on TV, like I can do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's both empowering and dangerous, right? Yes. <laughs> when, you know, when you were kind of pushed into doing this full time, mm-hmm. were you like freaking out about it? Were you like, okay, this is the time I got to do it. Like, what did, how did you prepare yourself? Did you put structures in place? Did you put a team around you? Like, what did you do to make, all right, I'm doing it. Like, easier than um or as easy as it could be you know i was oddly calm and i think because the world was so chaotic at that time it was hard to be stressed about that i mean everyone was worried about getting sick um it was so so like unprecedented you know people were that was like right in the during the lockdown when this happened for me so it was like Mm -hmm. i wasn't so much worried about it that's why i think it happened when it did honestly i believe that it happened for me at that at the exact right time um because if i if it hadn't been during when i was worried about maybe like staying healthy or other you know getting being able to find bread at the grocery store toilet mm-hmm. paper all that crazy stuff that was going on um yeah. i might have been more stressed out about it but you know i just tried to everyone was everyone was losing their jobs everyone was it was it was almost like a collective yeah you know everyone at the same place so i think that helped me focus in on what i wanted to do and i was able to just create what i liked and hope you know for mm-hmm. the best from that and then how quickly from when you like committed did you did you land the deal with adi adidas mm-hmm. um that's a good question. How long was that? You know, I'm so bad with dates. I'm not really sure. Mm, that was maybe a year. Adidas was maybe a year after I was uh, mm-hmm. full time by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, still amazing, right? To be one yeah. year full time and then be like, oh, yeah, this is my yeah, that was. Yeah, it took maybe about a year for me to get like a big client like that. And then after that, I started getting many more. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was I was working with just smaller clients. And that was great too. Um, smaller projects. And that that adds up. So it does. And, you know, coaching other creatives, there's, there's so much pressure, I think, to land some of these notable names and and, Mm -hmm. and have them in your portfolio. But when we look at the the variety of business that's out there and the number of people who need help from people like you and want to collaborate, you know, we guess it's true that the bigger brands do have bigger budgets and they do have more mm-hmm. money to spend on marketing and, and design costs. 
Um, but there's amazing projects at all levels. I think it's just about right sizing how much you're going to put into it so that if you choose to fit their budget, you can, or like really talking them through it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, different artists have different kind of setups of like how they work with clients. Some of them do retainer based things where they're like constantly doing say social graphics or working with them quarterly. So mm-hmm. there's more of like an ongoing relationship. Are you more project-based? Are you more ongoing relationship? What's your favorite way to work with a client? I like both, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy projects. Um, that's always fun, but I also enjoy being on retainer and working with someone like on a regular basis because then you get to really know them. The process becomes super like collaborative and um, it becomes a little easier because you're just used to, you know what they need and yeah. you can communicate it and it's just it, those projects flow really nicely um but yeah I, I really like both i like i like the challenge of doing working with someone new and the and the structured point of working with someone like on a regular basis mm-hmm. um are you working from home still yes 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 what are the benefits and the challenges for you for you know not just working from home but like it also being your studio mm-hmm. um the benefit is not having to drive, <laughs> um, <laughs> not having to deal with like weird office politics or, you know, mm-hmm. people. Um, the struggles are keeping a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you like maintaining, like I get up at this time and I work from this time to this time, separating like you eating are you sleeping things that you need to do to take care of yourself from work is really hard it's hard Mm -hmm. to step away i've learned that i had to like keep a section of um my home just strictly for work Mm -hmm. um not working from bed things like that because then it kind of melts everything all together and your bed becomes like part of your office and i so i had to like stop doing that um and Mm -hmm. it's really easy to do that um yeah. And I love, but I love working like from home. I think it's nice. I, I always struggle with the idea of like, should I have a studio, like an outside space? Um, but I like doing, I like working from home. Maybe one day. I do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel really lucky that there are places that I can go and, and feel like, like there's a different feeling of like when you like get in your car for the day and walk into the office and oh, right. walk in for lunch. And I don't know if it's like my story of what it means to be a grown up and be a professional when I'm like, like, I'm really not a grown up. I'm like walking somewhere with like my, my laptop in my bag or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I feel like I need that or like want to be around other people, I, I am really appreciative that there are coffee shops that let you work there or mm-hmm. they, they're shared workspaces um, because it's just nice sometimes to remember there's other people around and to yeah. get some of that energy because I'm definitely a, a 50 50 introvert extrovert mm-hmm. and too much people I'm like okay I need to go find a hole and have a timeout um, but none then I'm really just like I it can be a if I get too hermity I have to like rebalance things yeah that's that's hard I think too because it's easy to get into that and not realize it and then one day you're like have I left the house yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I need to go be a human, go be out with people. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yes, I'm good at getting sunshine on my face. I'm not always good at interacting with humans, not yeah. on the phone or the computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, as we're coming into 2022, are mm-hmm. you feeling like it's a fresh start for you? Are you excited about this year? Is it just another year for you? Like, wh- what is it for you personally and for your business and kind of where are you taking things? Um, I'm looking at it as a new year for new opportunities. Um, I'm trying to think of it, look at it with fresh eyes. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping for more, you know, big, um, clients. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It's one of those things that's tricky because it's like, ah, it's just another day. And then it's also like, you know, what do I want to do with myself this year and how do I want to extend myself and push myself out of the box i'm really trying to push myself out of the box um and challenge myself in 2022 do new things what what does that mean for you pushing yourself outside of the box um for one thing i've been i'm starting to get asked to do like speaking engagements um Mm -hmm. that is out of my comfort zone (laughs) but you're so so good at it you're it's like thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you it's like teaching um I was reached out to recently to teach like a workshop and I'm like, Oh man, that just sounds like not for me, but I'm, but I'm trying to push myself into it. I'm like, okay, you can do this. Like just, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, step Mm -hmm. off the ledge and do go for it. So that's really me trying to push myself. (laughs) I like it. Well, I've done so many workshops and classes. Mm -hmm. If you ever want any tips, just hit me. Thank you. Thank you. There's there's a secret formula I teach people, so it's super easy and more fun. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because yeah, it's like uh, sharing what you already know should be easy. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, but I love that. Is and are you somebody who regularly is is like really focused on growth and momentum and like further developments, or is that something that comes in in waves for you? No, that's, that's something I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's constantly in the back of my head, and I'm constantly trying to think of something new and trying to, um, especially with creating content uh, for social, uh, trying to think of what you know people want to see, keep up with you know all the trends, w- while staying true to my own voice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's constantly in the back of my mind. I'm not always successful with it, but I'm constantly thinking about it. Yeah, and what makes that important to you? Uh, I think it's important to stay relevant and not, you know, and to keep um, learning, really. Mm-hmm. We're never fully, I feel like I'm never fully there. Like I'm never going to know everything. And there's always something to learn. And there's always mm-hmm. ways to be better. And um, I think you reach more people that way by doing that, by figuring how, out how you can expand and be better. Yeah. I mean, I can't stop. I, I, I'm always. Is it, I think it's half being curious and just wanting to like learn and do and see more things mm-hmm. and really feel like I'm taking advantage of what life has to offer. And yes. then there's other parts of me that like it, it's, I get bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate doing the same things over and over again. And it's like bad for humanity if I'm bored, but like, I just, that's why I think why I love reading and learning and like talking to amazing people like yourself and like 
let's go do cool shit. Like there's so many things that need to be fixed or things that can be made. And it's absolutely how do we use our powers for good? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I find myself wanting to shake people and be like, you have skills that we need. Get your shit together. (laughs) Yes. And people, I think we don't always have to stay within the same box either. That's something it's like, you can do multiple things. You don't have to just stick with this one, like genre of, you know, you can do multiple things and push yourself to do that. I know I was, I I just got inspired by a friend sharing about their friend who like every, um, takes new classes. And then Mm -hmm. once that class is done, we'll go take a different class. And it's things like, a guitar lesson and then jumps to sailing or knot tying and ceramics. And I'm like, Oh, good. Like, I feel like because of the pandemic, I've been stuck in this space of like having to learn everything in the same box that is my office. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, having things like masterclass and all these other cl- classes that I have access to online, but I want to be back like using my hands again. Like I have such a craving to like do tangible things. Yeah. And I haven't painted myself in, I mean, besides like a random project here or there that was for something, but like to just like paint for the sake of painting and just see what mm-hmm. shows up. I haven't done in so long. And I'm like, you know what? I think this weekend I'm going to actually like, I still have paints, but I'm going to go buy some canvases or buy a notebook that would make sense. And just start seeing what shows up because I, I've, I see with a lot of people as well, the pandemic forced us into like putting in structures. Like we weren't being purposeful, like either Mm -hmm. preparing to do this or being aware of what's like, there were so many things we had to do Mm -hmm. that I don't, I think there's been a gap of like putting just play and creativity for the sake of play back into our lives absolutely so i'm excited to put more of that in (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) um you know you had a great post and um i reshared one of your illustrations for martin luther king day Mm -hmm. and i loved what you said about you know so often the same quote gets used over and over again and the same everything um so you shared a bunch of of illustrations with different quotes of his uh-huh. What is what does he mean to you and what do leaders like him represent to you? Um, you know, Martin Luther King is one of those ones that it's really easy to get caught up in this aesthetic of um <laughs> he was such a he was so he's so revered and he's also yeah. He's like, he's, he's one of those people that's loved by everyone, but it's really easy to get caught up into his more like flowery um, things that he says. He says really incredible, kind, you know, he has all these really kind quotes, but um, you have to, people forget like the time period that he was mm-hmm. around, what he was actually, you know, it, it was, it, this was during the civil rights era. This was during segregation, Jim Crow, you know, he he was you know he was in he was jailed multiple times so for things that he was saying so um i i think that's one of the things that uh it's just often forgotten and um for me personally i really love how radical he was he was extremely Mm -hmm. radical he fought for the little people he was anti-capitalist um he was 
you know, he was, he, he had all those extreme thoughts and people, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't know that. And it's yeah. like, well, he was like, you know, he was assassinated. I think people forget, you know, that whole mm-hmm. part. And so to me, that's like one of the things about him that's really important to me. And at first he was never, because of how he was always presented in the media, um, he wasn't really like one of my favorite activists. I was like, hey, yeah. you know, I'm okay. Uh, okay. Like, kumbaya, hold hands. Like, that's cool. <laughs> but like, you know, like what else do you have to say? And until mm-hmm. you really read his like letters, um, his essays, things like that, and then you really start to learn. You're like, oh, he was. Yep. You know, he was very, very radical for that time. So, you know, that's that was my thought process behind sharing that. It was like, oh, I don't think people realize how radical MLK was. And he was these awesome, you know, nice things too. But he was also very like, this is it. Like, we need to do this. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he was also like not a saint. He was a man, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know. That too. He, the, the, so many of the photos he's like talking are very solemn mm-hmm. and like i'm like no i'm like he, there's like he like laughed and was mm-hmm. like had family meals and yelled at people and got in fights and mm-hmm. like it wasn't no one can be a 24 7 visionary saint <laughs> like that's Absolutely. just not what it is and i think you use a great word of like when someone's revered mm-hmm. like uh, unfortunately we lose 90 percent of what they actually were as a exactly. person mm-hmm. um so you know that leads me to wanting to know who who are other people that inspire you that are maybe alive today that you're like they're badass i want to hang out with them yeah um angela davis is one um She's another one who was extremely radical, but she's uh, also very, very like she has so many profound things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Bell Hooks, before she passed away, I think that was last month. Um, mm-hmm. Bell Hooks is an, also another one who's like she loves women so much in her in the way she speaks about um, women's equality and just LGBTQ equality and black women. It's just it's really inspiring to me um who else oh my gosh it's so many i'm trying to think of people who are still alive um like current people that i look up to Issa ray is someone that i really look mm-hmm. up to she i i've been following her career since she was just doing web series stuff mm-hmm. um and she had this show called awkward black girl and it was yep. so relatable i felt because i felt like an awkward black girl and so the the scenarios she would be in were so funny to me and just so relatable. And so watching her career progress and her still stick with that whole awkwardness thing, because mm-hmm. on Insecure, she's still also awkward and um, was really, it's really inspiring to me. I love her. I would love to work with her at some point. That would be, that would be like a dream for me, for sure. All right. I Rae and Google. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's like, um, it are being awkward's real, you know. Like, yes. I, I wish, I wish more people knew that their awkwardness was their magic. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And it's okay um, to be for it to be funny too. I think that's like one of my favorite things about it is like, it can be funny. Being awkward is really funny, and it's okay to laugh at it. <laughs> it's so funny, and it's maybe not funny when you're in the being the one. Right. Like, oh shit! But like, yeah, it's very funny, especially in hindsight. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we like it's it's more real too because that's what yeah. actually is happening. Um, I think that's like why shows like Fleabag have done so well, also yes. because it's it's way more interesting going back to like seeing a whole person perspective, mm-hmm. right? When you see them like having a win and then like what they're feeling and then like overreacting because it's it's real. Like mm-hmm. this is one day in in most people's lives. Um, it's just yeah, it's it's funny to me that so much of culture, especially through social media, is about like the what's the perfect option. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that people are rebelling against that and like showing the not perfect. And I think it's really interesting all these <laughs> people who are creating like faux perfect, like faux not perfect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is why are we making it so hard? <laughs> like, okay. Um but so I would love to hear some of your philosophical musings. What are what are things that you wish you could wave your magic wand and sort out in the world? Ooh, oh man. <laughs> That's a good question. I would end if I could wave a wand and end anything in the world, it would be hunger. I think mm-hmm. we're in that is that sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, why are people still hungry on the planet? There's like, there's companies that have patents on, you know, I saw this video not that long ago of a company who has a patent on a specific kind of pineapple. And I'm like, are we putting patents on fruit? Like, to where yeah. <laughs> people can't grow it? Just things like, yeah. like you know, some, something as simple as people, that the fact that people starve is, blows my mind. Also housing. Um, I think housing is a right. I think food is a right. And I think healthcare is a right. I think those are mm-hmm. those are things that we need to live and survive. And I think it should be. I think those are human rights. And mm-hmm. uh, we. I don't think they should have dollar signs on them. And so that's one. Those are one of those things that I would change immediately if I could. <laughs> well, and, and when we look at when there are smaller communities, right? Mm-hmm. I think the rule of like how many people you can really feel connected to is like 150 at any one mm-hmm. time. And that would have been like the largest tribe size at some journey of our, some part of our anthropological journey as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a group of 150 people, you're not going to let somebody starve or not have shelter. Like it would be weird. Like, yes, you, if someone's suffering and they're next to you, you help. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's what you do. Um Absolutely. So it's like, I, I want the, something that irritates me that aligns to your magic wand wishes is, is the level of thinking that we've deserved the things that we have. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, like in reality, what have you done? Did you build Mm -hmm. your own house? Did you like, everybody works hard. Everybody Mm -hmm. does. So thinking that some people work harder than others like it the on the scale it's like this close <laughs> like i work harder than you by one one millimeter of a harderness whatever that measurement is yeah and we we just you know i i think it ties back to people being so being unhappy with the mm-hmm. fact that they have to do things they don't want to do and they have to work in areas they don't want to and because they've had like so much of this like ch- never choosing what they want 
that they're like, well, I had to work this hard. So yes. you have to be in pain and suffering to have it too. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like <laughs> that. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Like, how about we talk about the fact that you don't have to choose the pain and suffering route at all? Yeah. Like, and I think that's part um, why I'm so passionate about helping people create businesses that allow them to do what they care about. Mm-hmm. Because we, the more people we can get out of the mindset of the only path is the sucky path that I'm on, for lack of an elegant way to say that, um, like that's we need people to realize that it doesn't have to be so hard. It can, mm-hmm. you, it's never, you know, it's never like a vacation <laughs> vibe. We still work, but like there's a way to really align the work where it doesn't feel like the world's against you. And because mm-hmm. the world's against you, it has to be against everybody else. And there's just so much of that. Cause that's, that's the, every time you talk to people about the homelessness issue or food or whatever we currently make people pay for yes. healthcare, even right. It's always mm-hmm. a matter of, well, you can have it if you work hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's like oh, that's not necessarily true. And I had that conversation recently with someone when discussing uh canceling student debt. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Well, I had to pay all my student loans, so why should these these younger people not have to pay theirs?" And I'm like, "Really? That's your <laughs> yeah? Like that's your only argument against canceling student debt? Doesn't make any sense." <laughs> <laughs> no how about like you wish you had it for somebody else so absolutely yeah. I, it's um or why why do we have to have the student debt in the first place like let's skip a few of the steps absolutely yeah yeah it's it's uh it's very much six-year-old mentality of like it's it not is. fair and you're like <laughs> <laughs> okay time out time out because uh, there's 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 so there's so much um, space and there, for mm-hmm. everyone and there's so many resources and you know I had this hippie moment like one of the last couple of times in the grocery store and I was like everything we need the earth has provided for us everything. absolutely so like where where did it go into this place where we need all these systems and structures and all like all the things mm-hmm. and i'm reading a great book right now called um uh good morning beautiful business mm-hmm. and it's about supporting the power of like local economies and like for-profit businesses to do good like this woman was saying how starting her business in the 60s and 70s as she was so anti-profit until she realized oh but if we have profit we can do cool things with it Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be selfish profit. It can be right. contribution profit. And um, she had this opportunity to live in an Inuit Alaskan village. Mm-hmm. And seeing how, again, there was however many people were there. Every time somebody went hunting, everyone else would go to their house with a bucket because they would get a piece. Whatever we had, we shared. Mm-hmm. And it's... <sighs> I feel privileged that I've, I got to live in Europe and see what people call a socialistic society yeah. and how not socialistic it actually is when you're mm-hmm. there. Um, it's just more choosing, do we take care of our people or do we not? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't need a whole pie to eat by myself. I'm happy to give pieces away. 
Exactly. And when you see things like um, something that really learning about gardening, like watching gardening videos was something that really struck the mm-hmm. chord with me because you see people and they don't realize how much they're planting. Like I, I would see these TikToks of people like, oh, I didn't realize I was planting a whole field of tomatoes like by just yeah. <laughs> using one tomato, you know, full of seeds. All mm-hmm. this stuff came from it. And you're, you just start to think, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. couldn't we feed everyone? Like... <laughs> we want it yeah. to yeah we, it, it's we can right like mm-hmm. we especially changing some of the agricultural systems that are are there right like even simple things like people participating in meat free monday yes frees up more food for other people not because you're not eating meat someone else can but because of how much land and resources meat production takes mm-hmm. so it's like there's so many ways to to put things back into balance. And absolutely. It inspires me that there are are people thinking and discussing and worrying about this that you would never know from the outside. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we know you care based on your art, but to mm-hmm. know that like how much you're thinking and watching and learning and like I, you know, it it it's makes me hopeful who I have the privilege to meet through doing this podcast and the work I do where I feel so much more hopeful than I think a lot of other people do because we're not seeing what people are really doing with their lives on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we are seeing regularly makes everyone think people just care about outfits of the day and, you know, some memes. And you're like, no, like, <laughs> there's, that's not what humanity has come to, I promise. Right. Mm-hmm. I miss being able to go out and like hear people speak or hear, hear, like be in a room with people where you're discussing something that matters to the community or at a you know global scale. Like mm-hmm. I want that to come back and for people to feel safe to do that. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you being in LA, it's been one of the strictest places during mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you excited to have come back? and and be available again um i'm excited to start doing um pop-ups again like getting out Mm -hmm. and interacting with people um at shops some of this stuff is starting to come back but Mm -hmm. i still don't feel comfortable doing it so um i'm excited to the point where i feel like i can go out there and do it and not have to worry about getting sick um concerts live music is -hmm. another thing i'm really looking forward to but yeah, just being out, being out and being able to not have our faces covered and not, you know, feel yeah. like we have to stay away, away from each other. I'm hoping that comes back. I'm, I miss, and people keep saying this is the new normal, but I'm refusing to believe that. I'm like, nah, this has no. got to have an endpoint at some time. It's not going to be forever, I don't think. So yeah, I, I would love that return to that. I think we'll be much more appreciative of it once we have it back. Yes. And Having traveled in the U.S., like it's it's you know back to normal in a lot of other mm-hmm. places. Whether you mm-hmm. know we can arguing the safety of that is for another podcast, but you know there's a lot of things that have right? either have never gone into the California version of new normal or have come back already. And um, humans are so resilient. Like give us mm-hmm. give us an inch and we're gonna take it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Shove our elbows out <laughs> and get after it. 
so for everyone who, um, actually, I'm going to start over. I'm going to ask you what we ask everybody on the Powerful Ladies podcast. Where do you put yourself on the Powerful Ladies scale? If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where do you put yourself today? And where might you put yourself on average? Ooh, um, oh man, I'd like to put myself. So, so what's the rank again? So zero is like average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine. You know, I'm going to say 10. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> I'm going to give myself that. I think I'm very, I think I'm extremely powerful. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I would not have said a few years ago about myself, but um, I know it's there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to say 10. I'm powerful. I can, I can, I can do a lot. <laughs> you can and you are. Um <laughs> So for everyone who's now part of the Devon fan club, uh, where can they find you, follow you, reach out to work with you, all the things? You can find me on Instagram at, um, at Dev the Pineapple. Um, my website is devthepineapple.com. You can um, email me through my website if you want to work together or just chat or say hello. Um, yeah, those are the two best places to reach me. Perfect. And what would you like to leave everyone listening with? Thoughts, musings, a quote, your perspective. I want everyone to know um, that as even when people tell you, you know, you can do anything, um, it's actually legitimately true. Uh, no matter what, you can overcome just about anything. I fully believe it is in your ability to, no matter who you are. Um, I, there are obstacles, but I think that there are ways around them for everyone on every path. So, um, yeah, just, just keep, keep that thought process. And if nobody has told you that I love you, that they love you, I love you. I love all of you. (laughs) Yay. And we love you, Devin. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a yes to, um, to myself and the Power Plays podcast and, just honestly being sunshine out there we need more of it and um anything i can do to support you i'm always happy to um and i'm glad that we're we're keeping you in the circle because um i need more people like you uh, in my regular circle so thank you thank you so much for having me All the links to connect with Devin are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Those really help us to connect with more listeners like you and spread all the good stories we've got in the Powerful Ladies podcast. You can come and hang out with us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you want to connect directly with me, the best places are to visit caraduffy.com or on Instagram Kara underscore Duffy. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and a new fabulous guest. Until then, I hope we're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. Bye.